You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Dude, the yeah. podcast is to be America. Oui. The Air Tour Sports Podcast. Yeah. It is Friday, oh, April 1st, 2022, people. That is right. It is April Fool's Day. There ain't nothing to joke about today on today's Aerator Sports Podcast, though. Uh, I am in New Orleans. I was actually at media availability most of the day today here on Thursday as I record late Thursday. That is right. I am in New Orleans recording on a Thursday night for you people. These are the sacrifices that I make for you guys and girls, and this is what you need to know. We're going to open the show. I'm obviously going to preview the Final Four. We got four teams left. We got three Blue Bloods plus Villanova. We got three Hall of Fame coaches, four great programs. We will talk about both games. I will give you my picks from there. We will get into the transfer portal. The portal is finally starting to pick up, and we're going to tell you who are the early winners and losers. A couple teams have picked up commitments. More importantly, there are a couple teams, specifically one, that is absolutely hemorrhaging players, so we are going to discuss that, that as well. And then finally, we are going to wrap with a Final Four edition. Of where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. I go through, I give you some of the stuff that I got totally right over the course of the college basketball season and some of the stuff, hint, hint, Hubert Davis, that I got totally wrong. So great show, loaded show, live from New Orleans. With that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, not sure if you heard, but we got ourselves about 36 hours from the time that you guys and girls listen to this. We got ourselves a Final Four. Kansas versus Villanova plays in the early game. Duke versus North Carolina plays in the late game. I'm not sure if you heard, this is actually Coach K's final NCAA tournament, and he's never played North Carolina in the tournament before. I I feel like that really hasn't been discussed enough. Uh, I'm totally kidding and sarcastic and being an idiot here on Friday. Snap into it, people. But what I will say is, is you know, again, I am in New Orleans. I'm incredibly grateful to be here. Uh, thank you guys and girls for your support that allows me to be here. And what I would say is, you know, as people are starting to come into the city, this is as excited as I've been for a Final Four in a long time. As I said on Wednesday show, as I said on Monday show, as everybody said all week, we got four just super marquee programs, three Hall of Fame coaches, a guy in Hubert Davis who I'm going to talk about who I've become so impressed by over the course of the last few weeks, last few months, whatever. Uh, four, you know, just, just different teams, different styles, different ways to build programs. 
but we're here, and this just feels like the last time I can ever remember a Final Four with this much star power, really probably 2008 is the one that immediately comes to mind. That was the only time ever that all four number one seeds made the Final Four that year. It was North Carolina, Kansas, Memphis, UCLA, Russell Westbrook was in it, uh, Derek Rose, Kevin Love, Mario Chalmers, Tyler Hansborough. So it feels like it's been a while since we have had this much name brand recognition in the Final Four. Let's get into the game. Let's preview the games. And I'll just say this. Let, let, let's start with the early one, obviously, for obvious reasons. It's Kansas-Villanova. And I will say, I really think that Kansas is actually one of the more interesting storylines that we've had in college basketball in a long time. Now, we'll talk about Villanova with the injuries in a minute. But when I look at Kansas, a couple things immediately come to mind. First of all, and I'm not saying this to brag, it's going to come full circle, but Kansas was my preseason national championship pick. We'll get to that and where Aaron was right and where Aaron was wrong later in the show. But I kind of bailed on Kansas in the middle of the year. And the reason why was because the Kansas team that I thought we were going to see during the season is not the one that actually was the one that we had for most of the year. And again, we'll discuss a little bit more on where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. But I thought all of these guys that have played well throughout the year for Kansas, Ochai Abaji, uh, David McCormick, Jalen Wilson, all these guys, Christian Brown, I thought they'd be really good. But I thought that Remy Martin was going to be the spark plug that lifted this team from really good, really nice, big 12, two seed, three seed, whatever, to a national championship contender. And it just didn't happen for a number of reasons. First of all, Remy Martin, uh, early in the season, Bill Self just like flat out was like, this guy's just not bought into how we do things. Then he had injuries. Then he's coming back, and he's got these nagging things, and he can't get over it. And then all of a sudden, you look up, and I'll be honest, the reason that Remy Mar the reason that Kansas is in this Final Four is because of Remy Martin. Remy Martin, the Arizona State transfer, I think I just referenced it, but he is a transfer, was a two-time All-Pac-12 player at Arizona State, and I thought we were going to get that guy all year, as I just said. We absolutely did not, but that guy has showed up big in the NCAA tournament. 20 points versus Creighton in round two of the NCAA tournament. I don't believe they beat Creighton without him. He had 18 points against Providence in the first round of the NCAA tournament, but let me, or the, the Sweet 16, excuse me, but let me take it a step further. He had 13 in the first half. Kansas had 26 points in the first half, so he basically carried them until everybody else showed up, and it was actually very much the same against Miami. We all remember Kansas being down versus Miami at halftime. Remy Martin was the guy that, again, made two, three, four plays to keep them in the game. And so I'm, uh, why I like Kansas just in the bigger picture, the metaphorical, you know, have a chance to win it, is because this isn't even the same team from two, three, four weeks ago. I don't even know the same team from about four or five games ago as Remy Martin has continued to, to, to emerge. And something that I do think is interesting, I've been asked a lot about all these different things kind of in the lead up to this Final Four. And a lot of people have asked me, like, like did you see this coming or how, this and that? I think this Kansas deal is so interesting for this reason, is that I do wonder if this is just the new world of college basketball where very few programs, even the great programs, I mean, Virginia is losing players to the portal left and right. UConn, we're going to talk about UConn in a minute. Dan Hurley, I, I respect the program that he's building. He's lost two players in the last two days at a position of need point guard in the transfer portal, and it's just really, really hard to keep players. And so I bring it up because I do wonder if Kansas is kind of a metaphor, and even maybe North Carolina as well, as to what college basketball is going to look like over the next generation as we get more comfortable with this one-time transfer and the reality that players are always coming and going. Even when you have a good team, even when you have a Hall of Famer like Bill Self, 
it might just take time to figure out how all the puzzle pieces fit together and to get guys that have not been in your program for two, three, four years, and every program is going to deal with it, to get those guys to buy into what you do. And I think that's a perfect example of what happened in Kansas this year. Remy Martin wasn't bought in. He was injured. The team that Kansas thought they had in, I don't know, July, August, September, wasn't the one that they had in November, December, January. And then all of a sudden, it comes together here in March. Again, I think there's a lot of parallels to North Carolina. We'll talk about that in a minute. But when I look at this game, first of all, this is the best version of Kansas. This is the best version of Kansas at any point this year, which is crazy to think about because remember, Kansas won the Big 12 regular season title. Kansas won the Big 12 tournament title. But if you listen to this podcast, even leading into the NCAA tournament, I was saying, like, I don't know if this team really has the dudes, really has the number two, three, four guys in this lineup to win a national championship when Ochai isn't going off. Well, guess what happened? Ochai Abaji's had a terrible NCAA tournament, but Remy Martin has stepped up and Kansas is here. So in terms of this game, obviously a lot. I just said a lot on Kansas. In terms of Villanova, listen, it goes without saying. With Villanova, the big question is, how do they handle the injury of Justin Moore from the last game in the Elite Eight against Houston? We all watched the game, including me and my boy J.J. Reddick, who were beefing back and forth, but that's neither here nor there. We talked about that on Monday. But we were all watching the game, and Villanova is a team that, that all season long, the question has really been about depth. They really only play about six, maybe seven guys Late in the season, a freshman named Jordan Longino comes along strong. Then he gets hurt earlier in the NCAA tournament. He's out for the year. And now Villanova all of a sudden loses their second leading scorer in Justin Moore. They're really going to have to rely on about five, six guys against Kansas. And why that worries me for this game is for the obvious reasons. One, Kansas is really big, really physical down low. David McCormick, Jalen Wilson, all those guys. Kansas plays really good defense. But it also just worries me about Villanova. Do they have enough bodies? This has been the question about Villanova from day one. I saw them at Pauley Pavilion in November, Villanova versus UCLA, and Villanova was in control of that game, and down the stretch, UCLA just kept pounding the ball in the paint, pounding the ball in the paint, pounding the ball in the paint, and they eventually won that game uh, shortly in the final few minutes of that game just by wearing Villanova out. And so I just worry about Villanova in this game. Do they have enough bodies and are they, I don't want to say are they physical enough, but do they just have enough bodies to, 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 to ultimately stay in this game and win this game? Now, in terms of the, the you know, final score, I do think that Villanova showed me enough against Houston that, man, they got the fight. They just got the, the, the toughness that is needed to stay in this game. I do find it very hard to believe, as far as I'm concerned, that Villanova will ultimately be able to win this game just because I just don't know that they have enough bodies. So uh, this is my official pick. I'm going to make my official pick. We'll preview Duke, North Carolina. I do like Kansas to win in a close one. I do think Villanova is tough enough. I think they'll keep things low scoring enough. Final score in this one, 66-63, Kansas beating Villanova. But again, I I, I just worry. I, I really like this. Can I really like this Villanova team. I just do worry, does Villanova have enough bodies to withstand a big, physical, tough uh, Kansas team over the course of 40 minutes? That said, let's get to the nightcap. By the way, we're going to do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong soon. But boy, oh boy, was I wrong on Hubert Davis and the North Carolina Tar Heels. So obviously the, the late game is Duke Carolina. I made a bad joke about it earlier. Yes, it's Coach K's final season, first time these teams are meeting in the NCAA tournament. Um... But what I would say about North Carolina is a lot about what I would say about Hubert Davis and or about what I said about Kansas is about North Carolina. This is just a completely different team than 
the North Carolina team that we saw two, three, four months ago, and maybe this is just the new world of college basketball. But as critical as I was of Hubert Davis early, I got to give him credit late. He really figured out a way to get these guys to buy in to what he wanted, to what he wanted specifically on the defensive end, and it has completely flipped the season for North Carolina. I gave you the stats earlier this week with North Carolina. I mean, listen to some of these losses early in the season. They lost to Purdue 93-84. They lost to Tennessee 89-72. They lost to Kentucky 98-69. They lost to... Um, they lost to, excuse me, Miami 85-57, Wake Forest 98-76. Multiple, multiple, multiple 15, 18, 20, 22, 25 point losses. And so clearly the difference is on defense where they gave up 63 in their opener to Marquette, 66 in the Sweet 16 to UCLA, 49 to St. Peter's. And it was interesting. I actually asked Hubert Davis at the press conference on Thursday. I said, hey, hey, coach, um, What is it on defense? And I thought he gave a very interesting answer. He said these guys had to buy in themselves and they had to learn tough lessons that I could not teach them. He essentially said like, look, I have kids. I wish my kids listened to everything I said, but sometimes they have to learn tough questions and tough mistakes on their own. And that's what he said happened with this North Carolina basketball team. They had to get humiliated by Kentucky. They had to get humiliated by Wake Forest. They had to get humiliated by Purdue and Tennessee to learn all of those tough lessons. But the one thing that Hubert Davis said was that over time, this team not only gained confidence, but gained toughness as well. It's interesting, you know, a lot of the same stuff that I said Hubert Davis addressed during the press conference. Uh, it was funny, Jeff Goodman, who who I, I actually really like Jeff, I, I've gotten to know him a little bit, I don't know him well, but Jeff Goodman asked Hubert Davis something, and Hubert Davis said, Jeff, you know, earlier this year, you were very critical of our toughness, but I wasn't even mad because you were right, Jeff. And that's a lot of the same things that we were saying on this show back in December, January, early February. This team just isn't tough. And so another thing that Hubert Davis said that was really interesting on Thursday's press conferences was that, um, you know, I had to teach toughness early in the process, and now the last few weeks I've just been able to coach basketball. And you see the effects of everything that Hubert Davis has done um, throughout the season. You see Caleb Love emerging into a true star. I mean, Caleb Love was, never forget, he was a McDonald's All-American. Most thought he was going to be a one-and-done. You look at what he's done in the tournament. 30 versus UCLA, 23 versus Marquette, 14-4-4 versus St. Peter's. I mean, this guy's been a star. Brady Manick, the transfer from Oklahoma. I cannot believe how good this guy is. This was a guy, I mean, I, I don't remember him being like this at Oklahoma, Yet here we are, and this was a guy that had 19 points against St. Peter's, 26 against Baylor, and remember, he got ejected with about 10 minutes left in the game, 28 against Marquette. So to me, when I look at this North Carolina Duke game, I know it's easy to say, oh, you know, well, they just played three weeks ago, and, uh, you know, Boa, and it's like, well, North Carolina is a completely different team than three weeks ago, and they were awesome three weeks ago, and I would also say this about Duke. Duke is a completely different team three weeks from three weeks ago, and so let's get into this Duke side of things as well, because when I look at Duke, it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of, it wasn't as obvious as the North Carolina thing, right? North Carolina is just getting blown out earlier in the year. You're like, there's something not right. This team's awful. Well, Duke wasn't great either, and I've gone through I've gone through their whole resume. I don't need to repeat it, but you lose to Virginia who doesn't make the tournament. You lose to Florida State who doesn't make the tournament, and Duke was really struggling. And what's been so stunning to me is that, you know, unlike, say, Kansas, where Remy Martin has stepped up, 
there really hasn't been anything drastic that has changed to Duke. Yeah, Jeremy Roach plays a little bit more at the point guard instead of Trevor Keels. But there hasn't been like this overwhelming, huge, major adjustment. And again, being at media availability on, on Thursday was very advantageous because I actually asked Coach K about it. That's right, me and Coach K rubbing elbows. No big deal, me and Coach K, just two college basketball legends. But I said to him, I said, Coach, like, like, let me ask you, like, like, did you guys, we all watched that ACC tournament against Virginia Tech. Did you guys in the, in the locker room or as a coaching staff do anything different? And he said, no, not really. He said we had a couple tough practices after that ACC tournament. But other than that, it was just these guys are making big plays in big moments, something that we've talked about on this podcast quite a bit. Um, I did think that it was interesting in terms of, of, of the Duke perspective. Coach K was basically like, yeah, like, like this isn't coaching. This is, this is what we've been talking about on this podcast for the last four or five games that Duke has played. Uh, Coach K said he thought Texas Tech and Arkansas were two of the best teams that he's faced all year, and it wasn't an X's and O's thing. It wasn't a coaching thing. It was his players elevating their game thing. And so when I look at this game, it's really funny because I think everybody wants to go back to that night at Cameron Indoor a few weeks ago. I think they all want to sit there and say, well, you know, I mean, well, Carolina just beat them at Duke, and what does it mean, and da 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 and this and that. Well, it means absolutely nothing, as weird as it sounds, because I think Carolina as crazy as it sounds, is much improved. Maybe that game was the game that gave them confidence going into the NCAA tournament. And I think Duke is obviously, obviously, obviously much improved coming into this one as well. And so in terms of the game, listen, Coach K said it. This isn't about me. This is about those dudes on the floor. And he even said, he's like, guys, like, like, like these are 18, 19-year-old kids. I, I, he said something to the effect of, I don't totally remember being their age, but I can't imagine being as confident as these guys are. And so because of it, when I talk about this game and when I pick this game, I'm going to be super boring. I'm going to take Duke for the obvious reasons. They have the best players in the, left in this tournament with the best coach, and I think they're playing at the highest level. Remember, they got no breaks here in this NCAA tournament. You, you can criticize Duke for a lot. They got a seven-seed Michigan State. Really tough, obviously, physical team. They got Texas Tech, which is one of the best defensive teams in college basketball in the Sweet 16, bunch of 23, 24, 25-year-old grown men. And then they got a great Arkansas team that had just knocked off Gonzaga a few nights earlier. And so I just bring it up to say it's not as though Duke has avoided anything, but in all of these games, they've just gotten better and more confident and feeling better and all this stuff. And so ultimately, as far as this game is concerned, I will go ahead and take Duke to beat North Carolina. 81 to 74 in this game. I think Carolina's really good. I think they're a great story, and I've completely flipped on Hubert Davis. We'll talk about it more and where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. But I, I've completely flipped on Hubert Davis, but I just look at this Duke team, and it's going to be the same problem for Carolina that it, that it was for Arkansas the other night. How do you stop a team that has five guys that are all playing pretty well that are all NBA caliber players? Now, North Carolina might have the second most talented starting five in this, in this Final Four, but I don't know that it's enough to overcome Duke. So those are my official final four picks. I do have Kansas in a tight one over Villanova. I expect it to be low scoring, 66-63. And in the second game, I do have Duke versus Carolina. Duke winning 81-74, setting up a Duke-Kansas National Championship game. And obviously it goes without saying, whoever wins on Saturday, we will be previewing that uh, on Monday's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. That's it. What I want to do, I want to take a quick break. I do want to come back and I do want to just very quickly, we'll do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. For the 11th time, I've just said that. We'll do that at the end of the show. But what I want to do is take a quick break. I want to come back and I want to talk transfer portal in college hoops because the portal's starting to pick up. 
I think we have got something like 1,500 names already in, and I do think there's probably two or three storylines that have emerged that you guys and girls need to know about, so we'll come back, we'll discuss, I'll be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the college basketball in a minute, but the final four is here. We are down to four, and our partners at DraftKings have an incredible offer for you first-time users. There are three games left in the season, and here's the deal. If you make a bet on any of these remaining games, bet on any team, Duke, Carolina, Kansas, or Villanova, make a $5 money line bet if that team wins you automatically get $200 in free bets courtesy of DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. It's the best offer going. Here's how you take advantage. First of all, click the link in the show description. Sign up for a new DraftKings sports account. You got to so- click the link, sign up for a new account. Then you go to the Sportsbook, bet $5 on any team after you make a deposit. And if your team wins, you get an automatic $200 in free bets. Click the link, sign up for an account, go to the Sportsbook, $5 bet. in free cash if your team wins. It's the best offer going, so take advantage now. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Must be 21 plus or over to enter, 18 plus or over in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, Louisiana, New York only. Minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back, good to be back. Thank you again to our partners, DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. Incredible offer for first-time users. Bet $5 on any team. Moneyline bet. Bet $5 any of those four team wins. Do Any of those four teams win, excuse me. Duke, Kansas, Carolina, Villanova. You get an automatic $200 in free bets, courtesy of the DraftKings, DraftKings Sportsbook. Click the link in the show description. But that said, I do want to get off the Final Four talk for a minute. And I do want to switch gears, and I do want to get to a topic that is very much going to be a topic on this podcast for about the next three months, and that is college basketball's transfer portal. I think last year was really the first year that we really dove into it because it was the first year of the one-time transfer, and you guys and girls just ate up this stuff, okay? Uh, You know, I I wasn't a fan of the one-time transfer when it first went in, But the one thing I cannot deny is that it has created so much interest in college basketball in the months of April, May, even early June, last year, July, because the NBA draft went so late. It has created interest. It is college basketball free agency, and it is an entirely new recruiting cycle that you guys and girls can easily wrap your heads around because you got to see all these players play. We don't all get to see the top McDonald's All-Americans and high school players play, but you all saw some of these guys that have entered the transfer portal, and so Obviously, as the season winds down, the transfer portal stuff is heating up. Um, And with that said, there really have been a couple headlines that I do think are worth noting 
early on that I do want to discuss uh, when it comes to the transfer portal because I think that we are now getting to that point. There's over, I think there's like 1,500 names in the portal. Really good players are coming in. Next week at Aaron Torres Online, when the NCAA tournament is done, I will, uh, you know, I'll put together my list of the top 15 to 20 players in the portal at this time. But with that said, I do think there are probably two or three storylines that are worth noting. And so let's get into them. And the first big storyline, let me tell you, it is the LSU Tigers, and LSU right now is absolutely hemorrhaging players, okay? And it's interesting because, and I'm not saying this to brag or anything like that, but when Will Wade was fired, it was almost inevitable that this was going to happen. And no, I don't blame LSU for firing Will Wade. Some of the stuff that he was found guilty of, uh, you can't have that guy running your, your basketball program. But one thing I can tell you is that I have known just from talking to people in college basketball, those players love Will Wade. And you can make your own jokes, you can make your own puns, you can say whatever you want. Those players loved Will Wade, and I was not sure that regardless of who the next head coach was going to be, that they would buy in. Now, I will also say, and Matt McMahon's a friend of the Air Tour Sports Podcast, I like him a lot, but I was also kind of told that he didn't really do a good job when he got there of immediately building relationships, of immediately getting to know guys, of maybe talking to some of the staff and keeping some of the staff that wasn't involved in all the wrongdoing around. Because you got to remember, these players have a relationship with this staff, these players have a relationship with this university, and when a new guy comes in, they're going to look at their options. So this is the first big story. LSU is hemorrhaging players right now. Here is what you need to know about LSU's roster right now as it pertains to the transfer portal, okay? Their top two players have decided to go pro. Uh, Tari Eason is going to be a lottery pick, probably, you know, first-round pick. I don't want to say lottery pick. Their second-leading scorer, Darius Day, is fourth-year senior, not surprising. Here's what LSU has since lost in the portal. Their third-leading scorer, Brandon Murray, is in the portal. Their fourth-leading scorer, uh, Xavier Pinson, is in the portal. Their fifth-leading scorer, Eric Gaines, is in the portal. Their sixth-leading scorer, Efton Reed, is in the portal. And Sharif O'Neal, of course, the son of Shaq, is in the portal as well. And what I would tell you is this. Like I said a minute ago, I plan on probably doing my top players in the transfer portal in the next couple weeks, or next couple days, early next week. And I am just telling you right now, point blank, those first four guys that I mentioned, Brandon Murray, Xavier Pinson, Eric Gaines, and Efton Reed, are probably amongst like the top 10 to 15 guys in this portal right now this second. Xavier Pinson, I'll tell you this, I didn't think he was that controversial, but I tweeted a few days ago that that Kentucky, if you're going to lose Shaden Sharp, this is the guy to go after. I really like Xavier Pinson. I think he is a very, very talented player. Average 13 to, oh, by the way, I should mention Adam Miller, it's worth noting, the transfer who was from Illinois, got hurt this year, is also in the portal. So it's really six guys and five super marquee guys from LSU. Back to what I was saying, Xavier Pinson to me, He's going to be a fifth-year senior next year. Now, it'll be interesting. If, if he doesn't graduate, I don't know that he's going to immediately be eligible, although I assume that they will file a waiver for him. But Xavier Pinson, to me, is one of the best lead guards in the portal. And it was funny because I tweeted that the other day, and I didn't know I was going to get so much backlash. People say, oh, he's not a great three-point shooter or whatever. Here's the bottom line. He averaged 13 points a game at Missouri. This year, when he was healthy, LSU was a top-10 team early in the season. He goes down, and they completely fall apart. And he was a guy that averaged this year just under 10 points, five assists, and two steals per game. This was a guy that was on track to be an all-SEC guard until he got hurt. He is in the portal. Brandon Murray is in the portal. The early intel that I have, it's very likely that he's from the Maryland area. He's from Baltimore, that he will very likely end up at Georgetown. But he is just kind of a rugged, do-it-all kind of guy. He is in the portal, third-leading scorer. And then the guy that I'm telling you, you got to watch out for, is this kid Eric Gaines. 
Eric Gaines, for, for the last two years, has been behind other guys. He was behind Javante Smart last year. He was behind Xavier Pinson this year. This kid is a baller, okay? Super athletic, hyper-explosive. Um, and this year, when Xavier Pinson went down, he stepped up. But in just 26 minutes of play, he averaged nine points, three assists, and two steals per game. And he had just an absolutely iconic block in the early part of the NCAA tournament. Obviously, LSU loses in round one. Efton Reed also, I should mention, a five-star former McDonald's All-American. So we are talking about five really good players from LSU in the portal. That is unquestionably the big story in the college basketball portal right now. What happens to all of these players? Can Matt McMahon retain some of these players? I do think it's really important because it is going to be tough to rebuild this roster, especially with potential sanctions coming. I think Matt McMahon's got to get two, three, four of these guys back, if at all possible. Other big stories, I will say this for Matt McMahon. It isn't all doom and gloom, because to his credit, I will say this. He did pick up a commitment the other day of a really good player off of his old team from Murray State. And if you remember, Matt McMahon was the head coach at Murray State, was just on this podcast about three weeks ago. And two of his best players entered the transfer portal after he decided to leave. K.J. Williams, 18 points per game eight rebounds per game. I think that kid could play anywhere in college basketball. However, the early returns, and I kind of spoke to somebody who knows him, he's going to try to go pro. He's going to see if he can get into the NBA or the G League somewhere. It doesn't sound like he wants to come back to college. But to Matt McMahon's credit, really good guard Justice Hill, who was with him at Murray State, averaged 13 points, five assists on 36% three-point shooting. Justice Hill has committed to LSU. So it isn't all doom and gloom. Uh, to Matt McMahon's credit, he brought a really good guard with him. Now, I think Justice Hill will be a, a good college SEC-level point guard. I shouldn't say college. He played college last year, but an SEC-level point guard. I do worry, is he good enough to play at the highest levels? I think he's a backup. I think he's a sixth man. I do think Matt McMahon's got to focus on getting some of those other guys back, but not all doom and gloom as LSU picks up a commit. A couple other notes. Um, first of all, my UConn Huskies. Uh, not a great couple days for UConn, but it wasn't something that was necessarily surprising, okay? So UConn, in the course of two days, lost basically their backup point guard and then their third-string point guard. Their third-string point guard, Rashul Diggins, a top 50 recruit from last year, barely played this previous season. He is in the portal, as is Jalen Gaffney, who is the backup to RJ Cole, who is uh, exa not exhausted his eligibility, but he's decided not to use his extra year. And so UConn's kind of in a tough spot. And this one's interesting for a couple reasons. First of all, the Rashul, the, the Rashul Diggins thing is, is a very interesting deal because this was a very controversial topic in the UConn basketball community is this was a top 50 prospect, he couldn't get on the court, and there was almost a push from the fan base to get him more playing time in some of these blowout losses in during the season, early in the season, and even in Big E's play. And Dan Hurley, listen, I'm not going to tell him how to run his program, but he was like, look, I play the guys that earn it in practice, and the one thing that we do in this program, there would be a, his almost exact quote was, there would be a revolt in this program if I did not play the guys who earn these minutes. And so this kid decides to leave, but it is disappointing for UConn because of the fact that UConn, of course, this was supposed to be the point guard of the future, top 50 recruit committed to UConn over Villanova, 
So you know this guy would play. On top of that, Jalen Gaffney, a third-year junior, has also entered the portal. Now, he was kind of a career backup. He feels like kind of an A-10 level player. I wish him nothing but the best, but I do think it's going to be an interesting couple weeks for UConn. First of all, there is good buzz. There was a guard that redshirted this year named Corey Floyd, who there's a lot of buzz about. But again, you're not handing a redshirt freshman the ball and saying go. For UConn, I do think it's very important. They have to find a lead guard in this transfer portal this offseason because right now they are going into next year with essentially not a starting point guard on the roster, at least not one that I see. So it will be a very interesting couple weeks from UConn's perspective to try and find a transfer guard that, that, can, uh, you know, that can do what needs to be done uh, for the Huskies. A couple other news and notes really quick. I mean, the other probably the biggest name, the most recognizable name that people know that is in the portal Andre Curbelo from Illinois. Um, this one, again, another one that's not totally surprising. This guy really blew up onto the scene as a freshman backing up Io DeSumo. Nine points, four rebounds, four assists per game as a freshman. He was awesome. He's kind of got this little flair to him. He plays with a fun style. This year, I thought it was a little too much hype coming into the year. I thought it was a little too much hype coming into the year. And, uh, you know, he gets hurt. He has kind of a concussion, he's in a neck brace, he misses time, but he comes back and he's just not the same player. Seven and a half points, three rebounds, three assists, all his numbers are down across the board. Um, and to be blunt, there were some pretty you know, uh, startling stats that basically showed that um, you know, Illinois was a significantly better team when he was out of the lineup than he was in it. But with that said, he's a former top 50 recruit. He's obviously played at a high level. He is already receiving a ton of interest. Um, you know, the, the, the I've seen... Gonzaga has reached out. He's from New York. I'd be curious if the new Seton Hall head coach, Shaheen Holloway, reaches out. Obviously, St. John's has reached out. I'll tell you, he feels like a St. John's kid. From New York, Madison Square Garden, bright lights, Mike Anderson, that system kind of fits him. I think it'd be pretty cool. I also think it'll be curious to see what Illinois does going forward. And finally, I don't think I'm missing anything big, but on uh, you know, on Wednesday, as or on yeah, Wednesday when I was, you know, kind of you know, here and there running around, uh, you know, uh, New Orleans. Uh, Arkansas picks up their first commitment. Trevon Brazil, who is from Missouri. Um, and this guy's become kind of a hot name and a hot topic in the world of college basketball transfer recruiting because this was a kid that played at Missouri this year and really was a super, super late bloomer. Um, you know, wasn't highly regarded coming out of high school and even early in the season didn't do much. And then by the end of the season, he was awesome. 15 points, eight rebounds in, in the final game of the season for Missouri. Conzo Martin gets fired. He hits the portal. Arkansas with their first big pickup in the portal. Obviously, Coach Muss has crushed the portal. We'll talk about Coach Muss in a minute and where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Uh, I don't know how much they'll go in the portal this year. I think they have six high school players committed this year. Uh, they're going to have three, four guys come back. So there really isn't a ton of space for guys to come in. But at the same time, Arkansas picks up their first commit. This guy, I'll be curious. I'll be curious if it means something for Jalen Williams. It seems to me like he could be a developmental piece, not a guy to rely on so much next season. But in 2020, I guess it would be 2023, 2024, if we can think that far ahead. He'll obviously play next year. But I do think that, uh, that that's kind of the deal there. So that's kind of the early transfer portal stuff. By the way, if I missed anything, feel free to tweet at me. Um, but we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep doing this, especially as the season ends. There is so much portal talk to come. So that's the early portal talk. I think the big story is by far LSU. What does it mean? 
all that good stuff as LSU has has uh, you know just five really really good players in the portal. And I'm telling you, if Matt McMahon isn't able to get some of those guys and girls, not guys and girls, guys back, uh, it could be a very, very long first season for him at LSU. So what I do, I want to take a quick break, and I want to come back. I want to wrap the show, and I want to do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Really fun kind of post, you know, end of season college basketball edition. I will be right back. All right, everybody. I am back. Final segment of the show. Good to be back. Good to be back. And I do want to wrap. It's the final segment of the final show before the final four. And so I figured this might be a fun time to bring back what has quickly become America's favorite segment, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. And I have not done where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, but I felt like final four kind of were starting to get to that conclusion of college basketball. It felt like a good time to, to, to go ahead and bring back where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. And really simply, for those of you who are new to this show, yes, I did steal this segment from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin, of course, does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. And the idea of where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong is pretty straightforward. I do this show three times a week. I spit out an awful lot of opinions. Some call them hot takes. And boy, oh boy, when I get stuff right, do I like to tell you, oh, Taurus told you this, Taurus told you that. But there's also times that I get stuff really, really, really wrong. And I got to own it, and I got to slap myself on the wrist, and I got to say, Taurus, be better next time. And so with college hoops coming to an end, we still got, of course, a weekend ahead. But it felt like a good time to revisit where Aaron was right, where Aaron was right, college basketball edition. Where Aaron was right. Did you see what Coach K had to say about Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, during his media availability, during Coach K's media availability on Thursday? Okay, I was in the building. I am in New Orleans. And Coach K is asked a pretty innocuous question about the coaching in the NCAA tournament. How is it different? Your storied career, blah, 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 blah. And Coach K says something to the effect of, yeah, I love the NCAA tournament. Nothing is better. I hope they don't screw this up like they've screwed up the college basketball regular season. And then a short time later, uh, he's, it, it's referenced that Mark Emmert is going to be doing a press conference after Coach K. And Coach K basically says, yeah, good luck with that guy. And so I bring it up because I've been telling you for years, Mark Emmert's a mess. Mark Emmert is a complete disaster. And I was in the press conference on Thursday that was just a colossal waste of time. Mark Emmert was asked about NIL. Mark Emmert was asked about transfer portal stuff. Mark Emmert was asked about transgender athletes competing. Basically, every big hot-button issue in college sports. Mark Emmert was asked about, and he basically ducked every single question, okay? He's asked about NIL. He says, well, this is what we needed Congress for. Every state's got different rules. Uh, He's asked about the transfer portal. Well, this is what the school presidents wanted. This is what the ADs wanted. He's asked about transgender athletes. Well, we defer to the Olympic model, blah, 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 blah. And my point with Mark Emmert is this. I'm not saying you have to have every answer, Mark Emmert, but you have to have some, right? John Calipari says it all the time. I don't need you to make every shot. You just can't miss every shot. And with Mark Emmert, he misses on every single thing that he's asked about he doesn't have a good answer for. And so, yes, I'm yelling. Yes, I'm screaming. But I've been telling you for years. This guy is a putz. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. He sits in his ivory tower in Indianapolis and lets the college sports earth burn beneath him. I thought it was really interesting. In the building on Thursday for Mark Emmert's press conference, Greg Sankey was sitting there. Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC. 
Greg Sankey is more powerful than Mark Emmert right now, and I am so disappointed in this guy and this guy's leadership in NCAA sports. So credit to Coach K. We can criticize him for this, that, the other thing. He went after Mark Emmert. I'm happy, and I've been telling you for years, this is not the guy that we want leading college sports. And when Coach K on his way out the door, two games left maximum in his career, is criticizing him, you know Mark Emmert is bad. Where Aaron was wrong. Not sure if you heard. I mean, you probably heard because you listened to it earlier in the show. Duke's playing Carolina on Saturday, and uh, yeah, I got to take an L on Hubert Davis, and, and I talked about it a little bit on Monday's show. I don't really feel guilty about being critical of Hubert Davis because the bottom line is his team wasn't very good, and he even addressed it at his press conference Thursday. He said, we weren't tough enough. We weren't mean enough. My biggest job early in the season was to coach toughness, which is something that I shouldn't have to do as a coach. I should have to worry about X's and O's and basketball and this and that. I had to get these guys to be tougher and to believe in himself. And by the way, by the, in, in themselves. And by the way, he was not critical of his players. He was just kind of speaking facts. And so where Aaron was wrong was I was very critical of him. I believe it was right at the time. But I also can't lie. I have been so impressed by this guy as the season has gone on. And I was so impressed sitting in his media availability. Just totally confident totally believes in his message, totally believes that while guys like me were criticizing him earlier in the year, that he is the right man for the job. I've been critical. And listen, you know, they start 5-4 and four next year or 10-9 and nine next year. I'm going to be critical again. But this team has bought into him. This team has bought into his coaching. Credit to Hubert Davis. And as I told you uh, earlier in the show, I really believe that North Carolina has a chance in this game. Where Aaron was right. The day that Eric Musselman was hired at Arkansas, I went on several local Arkansas shows, including there was a, na- a woman, a nice, nice young lady named Dorian Kraft, who at the time hosted a show in Arkansas. And I said, Eric Musselman is a home run hire. Yes, I've known Coach Muss since the Nevada days. Yes, if you are a longtime listener of the show, you heard from him three, four, five years ago when he was still at Nevada. But when Arkansas hired him, I said, this is the guy for you, Arkansas. Home run hire was the words that I used. Because listen, you can say whatever you want about any, nobody works harder than Coach Muss. And when he was hired, I just thought, perfect coach, perfect fan base, perfect time. The Mike Anderson era, listen, Mike Anderson is seemingly a very nice guy. But he had gotten stale. He had gotten complacent. It appeared as though he seemed content going to say to two NCAA tournaments every four years and losing in the second round of each of them. That is not who Eric Musselman is. That's not how Eric Musselman is wired. And that's not how the Arkansas fan base is wired, believing that they should be competing at the highest levels and providing their school and their program everything needed. Well, fast forward a couple years. Eric Musselman, two Elite Eights. Eric Musselman, the number two recruiting class in the country after he signed Anthony Black the other day. And I'm telling you, I'm starting to put together my way-too-early top 25 stuff. Arkansas could legitimately return three or four major contributors off this year's Elite Eight team with the number two class in the country, three McDonald's All-Americans. This could be the number one team in the country going into next year. I haven't done everything yet. I'm not ready to say it definitively. And of course, they could lose guys to the portal or they could lose a couple guys like J.D. Note to the pros. But what I am saying is, I told you Eric Musselman, the day he was hired, was the right man for the job. And he has been that 10 times over. I cannot believe how good this guy was. Where Aaron was wrong. Really since last, like, May... I've been, uh, I've been complimentary of John Calipari, criticized him a ton during the regular season last year in 2020, 2021 during COVID. But after the season, I said, look, 
This guy went out and did everything that you want as a coach. He completely changed his coaching staff. He went to the portal. He got pieces that fit into how he needed to play in the new era of college basketball. And then once the season started, they looked awesome. And I repeatedly said that this is a team that is good enough to win the national championship. And I think at some points I said they're the favorite. Well, fast forward. And they lost to St. Peter's. And so many of the issues with John Calipari that have continued to pop up through the years, how he plays, his teams go cold, his teams play tight, it all came together with the St. Peter's loss. Listen, I don't believe John Calipari should be fired. I don't believe he's the worst coach in college basketball. As a matter of fact, I think there's all but about five, six programs that would trade the coach that they have right now for John Calipari. But at the same time, you are paid $8.5 million dollars do not lose in round one to St. Peter's. I said it on Colin Cowherd's show the other day when I was on his podcast. I said, look, I think Kentucky fans get a bad rap. I don't believe that it is championship or bust with Kentucky. I just don't believe that you can lose to St. Peter's. So I've been very complimentary of John Calipari really for about the last 10 or 11 months dating back to this time last year when he hit the portal hard. But man, oh man, did I whiff as John Calipari. Whew, I, it's not that he's on the hot seat. But he has a furious fan base, and this is a topic that we will continue to talk about all offseason. Where Aaron was right, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Listen, I love Gonzaga. I've been a Gonzaga defender. I am not someone that says, Gonzaga's overrated every year. They're the no, I've said it a million times. They were very clearly the second best team in college basketball last year. They just so happened to run into the best team in the national championship game. If Baylor has a twisted ankle or a bad foul call in the earlier, earlier in the tournament, if Baylor doesn't get there, Gonzaga is your 2021 national champion. At the same time, all year long, what did I tell you? What did I tell you? I said, look, this Gonzaga team is not built to win the national championship. They were the overwhelming favorite in Vegas, and I just said, I don't see it. I think they're good. I think they're fine. I think they're somewhere between, in a year where there's no definitive best team, 1 and 20. I don't think there's that much separating them from Tennessee, which was a three seed, Purdue, which was a three seed, Arkansas, obviously, which is a four seed. Fast forward, and Arkansas beats them, and Arkansas is just the better team. So it'll be interesting to see. I talked about it on the episode after Gonzaga lost. I'll be curious where this program goes from here. Now, they're always going to do well in the transfer portal, but obviously, as I've said many times, with Tommy Lloyd gone, that international influence that has brought them so much success, Roni Turioff, Ruchi, Rui Hachimura, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, on and on and on, all those great international players, I don't know if they're going to come, and I'll be curious to see what happens with Gonzaga. I still believe if you're giving me another 15 years of Mark Few, he's winning at least one national championship, but I told you all year, this was not a very good Gonzaga team relative to other ones. They were good. They weren't great relative to other Gonzaga teams. Where Aaron was wrong. Before the NCAA tournament, I made the case like many for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Oh, they're different, and they're more athletic, and they're more skilled. And then they lost in round one to Richmond. Listen, it's ancient history now. But when you pick a team to go to the Final Four and they lose in the first round, Torres, you got to get a slap on the wrist. And hell, you know, you talk about a program that's going to be interesting going forward. Uh, what is Iowa without their All-American Keegan Murray, who declared for the NBA draft earlier this week? Listen, incredible year for Iowa. What I would just say is, if you're not Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, Villanova, Gonzaga, one of these elite, elite programs, it shows you how fickle this sport is, right? Iowa. Their first Big Ten regular season, I believe it was their first regular season or conference tournament championship since like 2006. 
Literally, the Big Ten tournament was the best that Iowa fans have felt about their basketball team in almost 20 years. And then, boom, one game, it's gone. I totally whiffed on Iowa. Where Aaron was right. Remember my preseason national championship pick? Kakao, 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 kakao. It was the Kansas Jayhawks. Well, fast forward. Uh, Kansas, I don't know if you noticed, they are in the Final Four. They are playing Villanova to go to the national championship game on Saturday. And Villanova, obviously with their injuries, puts Kansas in a position to advance to another national championship game, which would be Bill Self's third since 2008 when he won the title over Memphis. Don't know if Kansas is going to win, but what I will say is this team is finally starting to come together in the way that I thought it would be early in the season. I thought Ochai Abaji would be really good, David McCormick would be good, Christian Brown would be good, and I thought that Remy Martin would add a little pop to the offense that was needed. Well, it took until March, took until really the second round of the NCAA tournament against Creighton, but Remy Martin has been awesome, and Kansas is now headed to the Final Four, favored on Saturday and a potential national champion, where Aaron was wrong. I did kind of give up on Kansas a few weeks ago, but what I would also say is, look, when Remy Martin has developed the way that he has, it's a completely different ball game and a completely different narrative. Fascinated to watch this team on this weekend. Uh, Kansas playing Villanova on Saturday, and of course, Duke playing North Carolina on Saturday night as well. With that said, I think it's time to get out of here. It's Thursday night in New Orleans. I'm going out, baby. So with that said, I want to thank you guys and girls for listening to today's episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. As always, just a really, really, really fun episode of the show. Uh, Before you get out of here, make sure to subscribe, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, all that good stuff. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. And also, I don't know if I said this the other day, but a quick thank you on YouTube. The YouTube page has gone over 10,000 subscribers. So some of you catch some of the show there, some of you download full episodes. But for whomever is listening to this show, we are doing record numbers with downloads. We are doing record numbers on YouTube. And I cannot thank you guys and girls enough. So that said, it's Thursday. It's NOLA. I'm going to go have a good time. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. I will be back on Monday to preview the national championship game, baby. That's right. I'll be back that soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.